Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How you doing this week? I'm doing all right. A little under the weather today. I think I got a cold from one of my kids in the last week or so, so just getting through that. But uh, otherwise, otherwise, things are going well. Nice, yeah. nice. Did you have Halloween up there in in the land in of Canada? Canada? Yeah, we do have Halloween up here. There's lots of kids came by yesterday, and yeah, we don't uh, we don't really celebrate Halloween, but it's kind of neat to see all the kids dressed up and that sort of thing. How about you? How are things with you? Uh, yeah, things are good. We ha- we did do a bit of Halloween dressing up and trick or treating and whatnot. Um, and uh, this isn't our normal recording day. We're kind of um, we had to skip last week, um, but we have. We're able to squeeze this one in, so hopefully we wouldn't end up skipping our normal recording by kind of sliding this one in here on a Tuesday. And it also happens to be uh, my birthday today. I think we recorded your birthday <laughs> a few, no way. a couple episodes ago. So happened to oh. happen today. So well, happy birthday, Josh. That is that's pretty exciting. How old are you now? Thanks, Nate. I am forty-five. Wow! Wow! All those gray hairs of wisdom coming in, you know. Not sure. I don't. My my. Uh, I don't have too many gray hairs. It's just like no, you random, don't. Random one every once in a while, but yeah, but yeah, not too bad. Uh, Hopefully, wisdom. Just a lot of talking. So. <laughs> cool. Are you guys doing anything fun for your birthday? Uh, well, I'm going away tomorrow um, on a bit of a retreat. Uh, so that's sort of balled into all this. My birthday is always the day after Halloween. So that's always squeezed as well. Uh, and, but I've done a few little things here and there, went out to, uh, dim sum with my parents and kids and they really, really liked it. Kind of the Chinese dim sum. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Nope. I have no idea what that's about. Okay. Quick, short thing. All it is is certain type of Chinese restaurants, usually like more Southern and Hong Kong ones. They have this uh, type of brunch called dim sum. And it's usually on the weekends. If you go near Chinatown, you could find it. It's pretty neat. It's sort of like tapas. Like, so it's, it's all appetizer types of foods, mm. like little dumplings and different things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the novelty is they come around in carts. So you basically are just sitting there and mm-hmm. you pick out what is interesting to you or what looks interesting. And if you've never been to one before, you might ask what in that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, it's all usually that, that type of affair. So it's, it's pretty fun, interesting to kind of pick from the cart and they just mark up your card and then you just pay. And most of the things are, you know, three, $4 per little thing, mm-hmm. sort of like, again, just a, a buffet of appetizers that you get to pick from. So. Oh, fun. That, that sounds like fun. I bet your kids love that too. Just, they get the the choices of so many different things. Yeah, yeah, highly recommended. If you, uh, I think probably you probably get it in. I think doesn't Toronto have like a Chinatown? I'm as well? I'm sure they they have. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I would advise going with someone that's gone before, so you, they can help advise <laughs> you. <laughs> Don't get we'll have to do too, that too unexpected. We'll have to, we'll have yeah. to do that sometime, Nate. So sounds good. Cool. Cool. So what do you want to talk about today? Well, I was looking through, um, shoot, I even forget what that was, microacquire. And um, yeah, looking at a couple of different businesses in there and, you know, wondering, hmm, would we buy this or would we not buy this if we had uh, the opportunity to do that? And so I thought that could be fun today. Uh, just kind of go through a couple of different listings on microacquire and, 
you know, what, what are some upsides that we see and, you know, would we buy it if we, if we could or not? And, uh, what do you, what do you think? I think it'll be fun. I mean, you sent a few over before the show and I think, so at least we had time to kind of read, read up Mm -hmm. and talk about our strategies for these various ones. I think I just looked at the three you picked. So, um, hopefully we'll cover them all. Maybe not. Maybe we'll extend the episode, make a two-parter or, or whatnot, but, yeah, I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's definitely interesting because there's more of this now. Micro require super interesting because mm-hmm. sort of what they've done to that market. That's probably a whole different episode <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, but the whole micro PE, the whole like, especially second time founders are often looking like to now that they have operational experience and kind of know what to look for. They're they're looking to kind of leverage a. Uh, buying something instead of starting from a cold start. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I think this will be fun. So yeah, we've got cool. three here. We've got uh, a GitHub app, we've got an insurance app and we've got uh, video editing. So I was thinking maybe we could hit them in that order unless you have a preference. No, that's, that's fine. So what do you think of the, the, the GitHub app? All right. So maybe I'll just well, say you, what, the, read what, the, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Read the top level description. So, all right, so the the top like one liner is um, oh, a GitHub app that helps software development teams improve their test automation. And so mm-hmm. when I read through the description, it talks a lot about flaky tests and improving developer productivity. So it seems like that doesn't actually do the testing, but it's like an add on for testing to help you, you know, reduce flaky tests or deal with them or. Uh, manage the whole uh, test pipeline better. Okay, is that, is that what you're interesting? Yeah, yeah, roughly. Um, I guess that's not. I, I didn't. What's funny is I didn't think too much of the details of what it is. Mm. I kind of just thought test automation market, and then uh, and then GitHub Marketplace. So those are the two big things screaming mm-hmm. out to me. But I I didn't get into it too much of the detail of what this one is because like most of these listings don't tell you the exact company but they kind of work around it and kind of yeah t- well, I think tell you some details right i so. think it is important though to realize that this is part of test automation this isn't the full test automation it's not like this is a test solution um that does right. everything um, because i think that limits what you can do with it or okay. maybe you know maybe your upside is you want to expand out to do all testing i don't know all right. So are you in the, uh, I guess, what camp do you sit in? Is this something you're you're interested in? Would you, or would you, I, I, maybe what we should do is like, are you interested in learning more? What would you ask? What would you try to figure out? Um, or eh, I'd move on. Like that's probably, yeah, yeah. It's probably in those two camps. So, yeah, I think it is interesting. I think I would want to ask a little bit more, um, like, ask the founders like for example i think they have they have one really giant customer that they noted in the description which is making up a large portion of their revenue um so that's a little bit of a unknown for me because you know who are they and are they going to stick around and all that um but i do think this is interesting because i think there is a lot of room in the test automation market and i think there are a lot of ways you could grow that um and i have some ideas around that but maybe that's a different topic no, that, that's good. Uh, yeah, we probably don't have to dig too far in. I know it, it's a, it is an area of interest for you. So mm-hmm. um, we did talk about you like technical complexity. You like solving those types of problems. In addition to you have an interest in the 
you know, test test automation area anyway. So is this was this how you stumbled upon this one as well? Or you're kind of just looking at listings and this one, of course, kind of spoke to you a bit? Yeah. Well, I, I actually was just, I went through the list from top to bottom and it was the first one that, you know, it wasn't too far out there. Like it wasn't like a, a hard pass. It was more like a, oh, maybe, okay. Uh, that's why that's why I picked it. What uh, what do you think of it? Would you be interested in learning more about this one, or would you you know right away pass on this one? Uh, I would be interested in learning more as well. Um, I do think where I dig into, of course, is definitely try to sinking into who is this because I feel like you can go on this GitHub Marketplace, probably reverse engineer and figure mm-hmm. out who this is. I know you can subscribe and like reach out and probably get more details, but anytime there's an anonymous or roughly anonymous listing, I feel like I could reverse engineer. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd look at that. Um, one of the things I'd, I'd definitely be interested in is um, like, it seems like the, the GitHub marketplace is a large source of where new customers, their, their acquisition strategy. Uh, so where, where new customers are coming from. So I'd be interested on how they are positioned in that marketplace. Um how they are because they do list some competitors. So how do they measure up to those? Are they like mm-hmm. the leader in those areas? And I'd love to understand search queries and like basically how valuable is this distribution channel that they say they have, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I thought that too. Like, is there another are there other distribution channels that um that would line up really well with this? Um and I know developers are a hard group to to market to, but like you're talking about, like even if even if you had a, some SEO strategy or something like that, maybe there is, uh, maybe there's something there. Yeah. I, I guess the other areas I would look into too, is like probably an understanding of churn, like how, how, uh, how long do customers stay type of thing? Uh, mm-hmm. in addition to, I think like you mentioned where they fit in this, they're, you, you've mentioned that they're not a, like test suite it's sort of like an add-on on top of that and my my wondering as well is like what is the upper bound cost so, or sort of i wouldn't say upper bound cost upper bound value of what this could be to someone so it's people always say charge more but yeah could you being inside a suite could you right yeah what is the the real limitation on how much this could be worth to a developer or a team so yeah yeah, and there might even be like platform risk too, right? Like if you're doing something that's like a, a sub part of a suite, you know, maybe one of the big players comes in and just, you know, implements you and then, uh, yeah, you, you don't have any market share anymore. Right, right. So yeah, a deeper area I'd go into is like, okay, how would people find this outside of the, the GitHub marketplace? Are there other marketplaces to put this in and mm-hmm. or going back to my SEO calling card of where, <laughs> what sort of search terms and how competitive are those search terms. So that's, yeah. that's probably where I lean, lean into. So they did mention churn and they did say it was below 10%. Um, I don't know how good that is, but um, I also did look at their, their trailing, the, their trailing profit. Um, and over the last 12 months, they've averaged uh, 4.75,000 uh, per month. But in the last month, they only did three thousand, and so that that to me sounds like a little bit like is that like a just a, a seasonal fluctuation, or is that like the reason they want to sell? Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't lean personally. I don't lean too much on the trends. I think it is 
it is interesting because they do have that one large customer. So how is that accounting for in those numbers? But oftentimes some of those trends to me are more indicative of the, the, I guess the operational strengths of the current founding team. Right. Mm. And, and so I think, you know, adding growth and marketing and other things or things that I feel like that's actually a, a good opportunity because it may look undervalued outside by just from a pure number perspective, but right. that's where I think I could add to, to those things. If I understood them well, like what, are, what is the true asset I'm building? That's what I was like honing more towards the, what is the product and, and what are the current distribution stuff versus like, how are, how are the actual numbers? So, yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, and this is going to sound very developer-y, um, what do you think about like investigating the, the user experience and like, if there's room for improvement there, I'm just, uh, I'm just much later, much later. Yeah. So like after all of this other stuff, then it's sort of like, then I start to look at what are the incremental improvements? Cause regard, like if I know that there's a price cap of $200 per seat or $200 per license on this, like how much are you going to improve it? How much that? then you're getting into like, can I shave a percentage point off of churn? Can I, mm. you know, uh, convert half a percent more? And and those are all incremental. And those are all, I think, fine and good and opportunities. But I don't, I'm not, those aren't, those aren't going to be the problems you're going to like, that are really going to stop the growth of the business, if that makes right. sense. Like, the, like the you're looking rocks. more, like you're looking more at marketing and channels. Um, and probably, I guess, pricing would might, might fit under there or positioning. Right. Like what's interestingly enough is like if I saw a highly tuned product, like very, mm. very well done UIs and UXs were really tight and nice and you still have high churn numbers, that's actually a negative, right? Like that's that means there is not much room for improvement <laughs> in those smaller percentages, right? So like right. it means like this is probably running at its optimum and there's not much more I'm going to be able to do here. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Any other thoughts on the GitHub app? No, I think that was a that was a good one. So cool. moving on, what do you want to cover next? All right, insurance. So let me just pull up the description here. Um, a SaaS focused on intelligent insurance claim scheduling and management. And so, kind of in their description, they talk a little bit about um, like customer. Um, customer feedback, like customers being able to file their insurance claims through this SaaS, um, mm-hmm. being able to give notifications to customers really quickly. Um, looks like they work for a couple of companies that are fairly popular. Um, yeah. So any initial thoughts on insurance app? Uh, my first gut with this one was a pass. Um, and mostly because I think it's a hard to reach market. Like how do you even describe? So just leaning into, you know, this is intelligent insurance claims and it's like their example is like related to a catastrophe and storm. And it gave a great example. It says like, did you see the USAA commercial during the Super Bowl about the guy who got a text message to get an appraisal after his truck was hit by a hailstorm? We're the company that powers that type of thing. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. how do you, there's, there's only so many insurance companies out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you're competing with 
potentially big in-house types of things that they might eventually even take in-house? And how do you even get through to these people? Like, how do you, it's not like there are, you know, a community for uh, ops people for insurance claims management. Maybe there is, I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I do have some insider knowledge on this one because I have, okay. um, I have worked for a company that does um, insurance claims like for across Canada. And I okay. built something kind of like this um, for Juicy. the internal for the internal team. <laughs> there <you> um, go. <laughs> so there you go. Someone taking it in house right there. Um, so there, I, I do think there is a market for this stuff. Like the insurance companies often don't have the uh, capabilities to be able to build this stuff out properly, and they especially don't have the ability to change it on the fly. Um, and so that's really where you could market something like this, but you're right. It's going to be like conferences and guys like on the f- boots on the ground, kind of people doing sales. Like it's going right. to be a slog that way. And it should be very expensive. It should be a large enterprise sale. And it's sort of like the banking, when the banking industry first moved to having, you know, mobile, mobile deposits and things like that. And I think there's like a couple platforms out there that, power a lot of these and then some of the bigger companies eventually take it in-house once it is known to them how powerful like the mobile banking area was but in those early days it'd be like oh you want to do mobile banking too cool like here we can get you started and that's you know 100 grand a year starting mm-hmm. and then based off of user so it can be a very viable model i just don't think this is a very good like bootstrap SaaS. Yeah, and it doesn't really feel like a SaaS so much, like in the sense that you can just take the -the off-the-shelf software and give it to somebody. Because there's, like for these insurance companies as well, there's a lot of integration that needs to happen, and that's always custom. Um, Right. So that would be a real, it would be good in the sense that you'd have that moat that, you know, they wouldn't want to switch. But, you know, like you said, they might just take it in-house, right? As soon as they see that that they've understood the market of what they want, then they might just take that in-house. Right, right. Yeah, this this seems more like a large enterprise productized service type of thing. Yeah. And I, I had one kind of idea that, you know, if you really wanted to take a run at this, like maybe you could change the pricing model a little bit. It looked like they had like a, a usage-based fee. Um, and just thinking that it's an insurance company and when there's usage, they are getting dinged in, in many other ways right? Like they're going to have to pay out claims and whatnot. So maybe it would be better to do just like a straight monthly fee with no usage in it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There could be pricing and packaging things in there, but I get, I guess I would, I would worry about like the cost to acquire one of these types of customers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So cool. Cool. All right. Next one. Um, next up is video editing software. And so this is a video editing SaaS product for content creators, coaches, marketers, influencers, businesses, and more. And it is a video editor that does captioning, resizing, trimming, animations, and more. They really like that term and more. Um, (laughs) Just something that kind of jumped out from the description too is that they have a lot of freemium uh, users. And their last 12 months, they're 1.1 million uh, in revenue. So they seem to have some scale and, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of profit in that too. So I do wonder about those numbers, but it is interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, I do. I do kind of like that profit in that number compared to the other two. Like I was a little worried about the other two where it's like, you know, I think they had like 50% margins or less. I was kind of like, you know, what's, what's so expensive? Like SAS is, you know, the traditional SAS maybe doesn't have very much, uh, very much cost. Yeah. And that's why I wonder about how they're doing that equation because it's like some people, how you calculate this stuff, cost of goods in SAS are technically really low, but some people include support people. Some people, you know, it's marketing. It's all these other things where I don't know if that profit line is truly like cash flow profit line, or is it like, you know, Oh, well, of course, if I stop spending on marketing and all these other things that are (laughs) actually like creating the new revenue, you know, anyway, those, those numbers are always hard and those would happen in due diligence. I think digging into any of those. So, yeah. So do you want to give your assessment first? Sure. Um, so I thought this is kind of neat because it seems to have a lot of people using it. I thought that could be kind of fun, like just purely fun, not necessarily a good business decision. Um, <laughs> I, I would kind of shy away from it from the sense that, um, this, this level of scale on a video editing software, which seems to be like a commodity, uh, to me would, doesn't feel like it's in my wheelhouse. Um, like it feels like you're playing like a, um, popularity kind of game or like some sort of like social influence kind of game. And I know just about nothing about that. Uh, so that's why I would pass. Okay. What about you? Uh, I, I too would pass. Um, I do think it seems very crowded. So a lot of the same reasons, um, I also have the hot word of commodity in there. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, I would, uh, yeah, and I also think that just it is a tool, right? Like, it, you know, people often talk about like tools versus solutions. And I feel like this is a tool, right? Video editing, now large market, but at the same time, how could it really, how is it really differentiated per se? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there's ways to do that, right? Like, okay, it's this for this specific type of person or this, it's for e-commerce marketers, right? So there's definitely ways you could do that. But my challenge for any of those is, let's say e-commerce marketer, what's the, the reality is that people that have the most weight in those areas for the e-commerce like market would be an e-commerce company. So like Shopify adding built-in, you know, video editing into their platform, let's say. So like, mm-hmm. that's what would scare me the most isn't, isn't that there's a lot of competitors that are other video apps. It's the fact that if I was to try to differentiate and find a niche that it would just get eaten up by the, by the platform side or by the solution side. Yeah. And really the only upside there would be if they somehow acquired you, if they chose to do that. Right. Yeah. That, that is a potential. Um, but I guess I, I don't really think of acquisition as a legitimate, <laughs> at least in my mind, um, exit for me. Uh, what's interesting about this is like, you know, we're, we've been earlier, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about this podcast recording platform mm-hmm. and what's sup- what I really like about this one is they do video, they do editing, they do all of these other pieces and they've but it's all built into this platform and the power that we can go in there. And after I go to hit record, there's a little button down here. There says like Mark clip, do all these other things. Like I could mark the clip to say like, 
hey, mm-hmm. Nate said a curse word. Let me go back and scrub that. Yeah, right. Uh, there's there's video built into this and all these things. And there's these buttons I can make clips for YouTube out of our recording and just drop them right to YouTube. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's right. I, I I just took the editor out of the loop and made it go right. us directly into YouTube or something. Right. And they're really going for the solution on this, this platform as opposed to the tool side of things. Right. So that's, that's where I'd be fearful of, uh, of kind of getting into the video editing market. And it's so hot right now. Like there's so many people that think they want to do that. And it's especially post COVID post remote, you know, more remote work, like all these other things, TikTok, Mm -hmm. all these other reasons that just, is drawing the world's attention. So you're just getting more competitors and more things and yeah. harder to differentiate. So yeah. side pass. I wonder though, if you could, like if you could get a popularity play to work where you, um, you do some sort of like affiliates or like get in with podcasters and like use some sort of like, you know, some, some social techniques to be able to get it marketed well. And I feel like that's kind of like what anyone does in a commodity market, right? Like you think of phone companies even too, right? It's just, it's purely on brand recognition and like social uh, cues. Um, Yeah. And I I do think those are the best short-term plays that you could do. So if I was like saddled with this one, so to speak, if this was (laughs) the thing thing I did and all of a sudden the world is now pointing at me and, and everyone's competing with me, but, but then I'd worry about, like I said, if it was for podcasts, like worried about a Riverside eating up on the other side, right? Or yeah. you see this happen all the time where like Calendly had its thing and they're great at a certain thing, but then you just slowly see other companies eating into certain areas by like HubSpot has a baked in calendar thing now. They used to use it and then now they have their own, like they make a free version that sort of draws someone over that would otherwise be a low level user or something like Calendly. So again, yeah. these platforms pulling in from the other side, who is really comp- who you're really competing with and you really have no uh, kind of real, real advantage there, unless you had a very strong community in a certain area, that might be the only strong play in there. If like, let's say yeah. you had a really strong community of like podcasters and really the people were there and, that's that that could be something where that brand play is more of a community play that that does be hard to wrestle away so yeah no that makes a lot of sense cool cool well this is fun we should do this again sometime yeah this was fun i think we should also mark the idea of talking a bit about micro acquire as well it's yeah they're, they're in they're interesting as you've seen from the different uh ways you could buy and sell internet businesses in the past. And by the way, I just noticed that they, they bought the name, um, acquire.com now, if you saw that recently. So big moves going on over there. Yeah. Well, they better not infringe on, you know, acquire.fm. Yeah. True. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Nate. Cool. Have a good one. You too. Later. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at searchingforsass on Twitter. That's searching, the number four, sass. 
or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week. Bye.